0: Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org.
1: I'm Joe Goff with 3J Performance Horses in St. Augustine, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
0: Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Texas dairy industry welcomes these fall and winter temperatures we're having this week. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley
1: freezing temperatures have hit the Texas High Plains in recent days. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about some possible implications of our latest weather development on Texas Ag Today.
3: I'm Tom Nicoletti and on Texas Ag Today, a wrap-up of the cold winter-like end of October in Texas and the prospects for El Nino to make an impact on the remainder of the fall into the winter months.
4: It's finally going to get a little colder in Texas. We're going to talk about preparing plants for winter. Please join me, John Degno, as we talk about preparation for winter plants.
0: We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Temperatures have dropped all over Texas, and it's a welcome change for Texas dairy farmers. Darren Turley is the executive director of the Texas Association of Dairymen.
1: Well, we're very glad to be out of the dry and the heat for sure. Texas's drought's been really hard on producers oh, yeah. of, of all ag commodities, not just dairy, but dairy industry has seen uh, some really low prices this summer. On top of that, it's been really hard on producers, and we have lost producers. Uh, where we've uh, for the first time, we're below 300 uh, dairy operations in the state, so it has had uh, a toll on our production. Uh, we uh, have, I think, I told you before, really kind of thought we'd be the third largest dairy state this year. Mother Nature hit us with two years of drought. I don't think we're going to make it this year. It's going to be close, but it may take us one more. We're still doing well as far as production and base and the new plants coming on. So uh, the future's bright, but we, we're glad to be out of the drought and out of the summer. We need some rain, some cool weather, and everybody
0: heal up a bit. Milk prices have also been a challenge this year, with prices well under the cost of production throughout the summer. Scientists have reportedly developed a robotic system to harvest cotton.
5: According to a press release, scientists at Mississippi State University have developed a two-finger robotic arm that pulls cotton lint from the bowl. The arm's design was inspired by the way a lizard's tongue reaches out for its prey. It plucks one bulb of cotton at a time, which researchers say it makes harvest possible earlier and more often when seed cotton is at its peak quality. The robot works with a camera-based perception system to identify and retrieve cotton. Scientists at MSU say it is a potential game changer for agriculture worldwide, as it could help farmers dealing with labor shortages. Another professor at the university is currently focused on integrating the robot arm with a commercial six-degree-of-freedom robotic arm and a four-wheel-drive robotic platform. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
0: Early voting is now underway, and ag groups across Texas are encouraging a yes vote for Proposition 1. South Texas farmer and rancher and president of the Texas Farm Bureau, Russell Baining, says Prop 1 is important for both farmers and consumers. Texas is changing. Everyone that lives in this state from every corner understands that. Our population
4: growth, demographic changes, urban encroachment out into ag-producing areas. We have a lot of ag land that's, quite frankly, it, it gets annexed by a city. So now it's under the jurisdiction of city ordinances. We're seeing some city members came to us and said, hey,
3: we got some issues. We got some problems. We have city ordinances telling us that our grass can't be any
0: taller than 12 inches, but it's a hay crop. Early voting ends this Friday, November 3rd. Freezing temperatures have hit the Texas High Plains over the past few days. James Hunt takes a look at the implications of the freeze.
1: So now that we've experienced hard freezes around the Texas High Plains in recent days, what does that mean for our crops? Well, the experts I've talked to say it could be days, maybe even weeks, before we truly know the full extent of any damage, but there are concerns. Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell points out that much of the panhandle has gone without significant rainfall for several weeks, and dry conditions could make wheat that was planted in late August or early September vulnerable.
6: Much of that wheat is looking really
5: water-stressed.
6: And lack of soil moisture results in cracks in the field and those cold temperatures can get down around that crown and can damage that developing plant.
1: And there could be issues for summer crops that were planted late due to our heavy rains in the spring. For example, Dr. Bell says, for some corn in the panhandle, freezing temperatures likely brought a halt to grain development much earlier than farmers would have liked.
5: And so those producers are going to see
6: lower test weights and they will see a yield reduction on those fields.
1: And here's a note for cotton farmers. Mark Brown with Plains Cotton Growers says a hard freeze can elevate the risk of bark contamination during harvest. But Brown says producers can minimize that concern by holding off on harvest a little while.
7: Wait a few days after the hard freeze and allow that stalk to dry down a little bit. And another thing is just to watch your settings on that stripper header and make sure that it's not tightened down so that it's too aggressive and pulling stems loose from the main stalk or pulling and stripping bark away from that stalk.
1: I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
0: The calendar says it's autumn, but the temperatures feel like winter in most of our state this week. Tom Nicoletti has his monthly check-in with the National Weather Service.
3: My guest from Fort Worth is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw. And Tom, the end of October uh, certainly seemed like uh, winter in Texas as these autumn temperatures and the uh, nice fall-like days uh, turn cold and uh, very rainy. Uh, Let's recap that.
8: Well, it's good to be with you again, Tom, and certainly had a big transition. We had been in what seemed to be an endless summer pattern all the way through a good part of October, and then all of a sudden, as we got towards the end of the month, we had a very strong cold front combined with a strong storm system effect, a good part of the Lone Star State, widespread rainfall across most of Texas. For the month of October, we actually had amounts on the order of good four to eight inches across most of the state. And some parts of central Texas have anywhere from eight to 16 inches. And so that certainly put a dent in the drought. The temperatures were the other big story. It was relatively mild across Texas during most of October, but the last week of October was certainly much, much chillier and gives us a foretaste of what we can expect for the rest of autumn.
3: Now, as we are into November, where do we stand on the El Nino weather pattern?
8: Well, as you mentioned, we, we've been talking about El Nino for quite a while now. That's the uh, situation out in the Equatorial Pacific, and it's certainly a pattern that's conducive towards what are the normal conditions and generally seasonable temperatures as they go into the late fall and the winter months. So we still expect more storm systems like the one that we have at the end of October. We'll see those start rolling in later on this fall and certainly the winter temperatures generally on average across most of the states, so we certainly will, will probably see some winter Pacific across the state as we go in early in the December and January time frames.
3: That is Tom Bradshaw. Uh, he is a National Weather Service meteorologist in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
0: It is cold this week and time to prepare plants for winter. Here's San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno with some tips.
4: Well, it's that time of year finally where things are getting a little bit cooler. And thank heavens after the summer that we had and preparing plants for a cold spell, which it looks like coming up in this next week. We're going to see it all the way from the panhandle of Texas down into at least central Texas, maybe not a freeze everywhere, but maybe a light frost. And we think about it, you have those cooler temperatures that some plants can't even tolerate. You take the tropicals that we might have put outside like yellow bells and lantanas and some of these things. When it starts getting cool, they lose their leaves. And then when they have a light frost, they may actually lose all of their leaves and even some of their top. And then we have plants that are root hardy that will lose the top of the plant like cannas and a lot of other landscape plants but they're root hardy at very cold temperatures and will bounce back next spring and we have those plants that are hardy that we know took uh, snowmageddon and all those cold temperatures and they're going to come back no matter what and so when we select plants which by the way some people are still in their landscaping mode we always choose plants that are going to be hardy if we can for your location but for the most part a lot of planting, other than maybe a little annual color, is kind of out of the question. We can plant trees, really hardy trees and woody shrubs, but for the most part, we're going to delay planting until next spring, or at least fruit trees and pecans and things like that till after the first of the year. Now, some plants are affected and we try to cover them during that first frost, and that's okay if it's going to be a light frost and you want to just cover them and protect them. And then they come back for, the let's say, the next warm spring could be as much as a month before we have a frost or freeze again. And that's okay to do that. But for the most part, covering these types of plants are not going to really be that beneficial in very cold weather. Now, water, on the other hand, can be very helpful. You want to water before a very cold spell. And this is good, especially when soil is dry and cracked and cold air can get in there and damage roots. So remember that. The exception might be palm trees. If you're in central Texas and south Texas, and it's going to get very cold cold this winter, then we usually do not water palm trees because they seem to be a little bit hardier if you don't water them prior to a very cold spell. But remember, placement in landscape can also help extend the cold hardiness of plants. Plants that are tender sometimes placed on the south or protected side can be very, very beneficial in a landscape. This is John Bagno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo.
5: Hunters play an important role in helping prevent the spread of chronic wasting disease. I'm Jessica Domewell, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today.
0: And getting a pre-purchase exam before buying a horse is a good idea. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org.
9: Texas has lost over two million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the right to farm amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the food for Texas amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition 1 at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2 farmtexas.com.
2: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture
0: on Texas Ag Today. Getting a pre-purchase exam before buying a horse is a good idea. Dr. Bob Judd says there are a lot of
10: options for these type of exams. A pre-purchase exam can be anywhere from just a thorough physical exam and lameness exam to performing multiple tests on the horse to determine the health of the horse. A general pre-purchase exam at our clinic involves checking all body systems physically and then performing a lameness exam by watching the horse walk and trot to check for lameness. We also check for foot pain and perform flexion tests by flexing various joints to see if this affects the horse's gait at a walk and a trot. Some horses are ridden for a pre-purchase lameness exam and some are not depending on the veterinarian. The pre-purchase evaluation does not include a positive or negative grade or whether the horse fails or passes the exam. The veterinarian will also not make any recommendations about purchasing or not purchasing the horse. The veterinarian's job is to evaluate the horse medically. Depending on the purchaser, x-rays or radiographs are sometimes performed on these horses to gain further knowledge of the horse's condition. This does add significant expense to the pre-purchase fee, and one problem is deciding which joints to x-ray, and a lot of this depends on the use of the horse. For example, barrel horses generally have different areas of concern than race horses, so the vet may be x-raying different areas. Some purchasers would like an upper airway examination with an endoscope, while others will request a reproductive exam if the horse is going to be used for breeding. If possible, the vet will want to look at previous medical records, if available, and realize even with a pre-purchase, your veterinarian does not have a crystal ball to see the horse's future and has to consider only how the horse looks on that day. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas hunters
0: play an important role in preventing the spread of chronic wasting disease. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report.
5: Due to new and existing chronic wasting disease containment and surveillance zones, deer hunters in more than a dozen Texas counties are now required to bring any white-tailed deer, mule deer, or other member of the deer family they harvest to a CWD check station within 48 hours of harvest for testing. There are nine new CWD zones this season as the result of positive detections of the disease in the following counties, Kimball, Brooks, Washington, Gonzales, Frio, Zavala, Sutton, and Hamilton. There will also likely be a new zone in Medina County. Alan Kane, Big Game Program Director for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says the zones are an effort by TPWD to monitor and curb the spread of the disease. Certainly safe to
7: hunt in the zone. And in fact, we need hunters. Hunters are one of the best ways to help manage CWD. We need hunters to harvest deer. Obviously, if you let numbers get out of hand and CWD is present, it just means there's more host on the landscape. If you can manage for a lower deer density or a lower population, healthier population, you may have CWD out there if it's in that free ranging population. But it's hopefully maintained at a low prevalence; it doesn't spread. And to be clear, those areas that I just listed, chronic wasting disease was only detected in a captive breeding facility in those counties. And so that hopefully gives us some comfort. The disease isn't outside of those facilities at this time, but we have zones in place in those areas to allow us to collect some samples around where that positive detected in that facility there to determine whether the disease is outside of that facility or not.
5: We'll have more on this on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
0: It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org.
9: Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. That's right. And there's a huge digital divide in our state. There are still large parts of rural Texas that have little to no access to high speed internet. I'm State Representative Dwayne Burns. And I'm State Representative Trent Ashby. We're here to ask you to vote for Proposition 1 and Proposition 8. I wrote Prop 1 to protect your right to farm and ranch. It will prevent the abuse of regulatory power, protect the backbone of our rural economy, and ensure safe and affordable food for all Texans. And I wrote Proposition 8, which will create the Broadband Infrastructure Fund to address important upgrades for public safety and provide resources for broadband access in rural
0: hospitals and schools. Let's head to the polls November 7th and vote for Prop 1 and Prop 8. Political advertising paid for by Texas Farm Bureau and Texas Broadband Now Pack.
2: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
5: After shifting lower early on Tuesday, the cattle market corrected and ended up trading mostly higher Tuesday afternoon. October, live cattle down 37 cents to 183.75. December, live cattle up 30 cents to 183.55. February 2024, live cattle rose 65 cents Tuesday to 184.62. Analysts say that earlier in the day on Tuesday, live cattle did trade lower as it was pressured by the feeder cattle market. The feeder cattle market did trade lower for much of the day on Tuesday due to firm pressure. November feeder cattle rose 2 cents Tuesday to 23770. January 2024 feeder cattle up 32 cents to 23720. March 2024 feeder cattle up 37 cents to 23975. Boxed beef was lower, choice down $2.83 to 30645 select down 84 cents to $280.05 now let's check those livestock auctions we're walking the pens with Larry Marble this fella
11: in the alleyway is Doug Bass cattleman's Brenham Doug how'd you sell cattle on Friday
6: uh, we had a good sale, Mr. Larry. We ended up with getting a good rain, so it slowed our numbers down a little bit. We sure were appreciative of the rain, though. Uh, we ended up with 720 head of cattle. Sir, sure on your in cows, your thinner lower yielding cows, 55 to 68. Medium flesh cows, 70 to 85. Higher yielding cows, 89 to 98. Lower yielding bulls, 92 to 108. Higher yielding bulls, 110. 114. Uh, didn't have much repairs or bread. Uh, the the cab market looked good, uh, pretty steady to last week. Two to three weight steers, 240 to 275, heifers, 230 to 260. Three to four weight steers, 235 to 305, heifers, 220 to 312. Five weight steers, 220 to 315, heifers, $2 to 285. Five to six weight steers, $2 to 251, heifers, 190 to 236. Six to seven weight steers, 195 to 233, heifers, 185 to 231, 7 to 8 weight steers, 190 to 225, heifers, 180 to 214, and 800 to 1,000-pound steers and bullioners, 165 to 224, and the heifer spring, 125 to 164.
11: Now, what was the count?
6: 720.
11: Uh, what are you anticipating for this next Friday in Brenham?
6: I've got a few calls, Mr. Larry. I don't know. I guess it all kind of depends on the weather again, but uh, but we've got a few calls, and and I think we'll have a decent run. Yes,
11: sir. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Doug Bass.
6: Uh, Yes, sir. My cell, 979-877-4454 or at the office,
11: 979-836-3621. We appreciate you, Doug. Thanks for the call and for walking the pins with us.
6: Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Larry. Y'all have a good week. You too.
11: And, neighbor, y'all have a good week, too. Be sure to come back every Monday through Friday right here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network for Walking the Pins. Doug Bass has been my guest. Doug Bass, Cattleman Brenham. You're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today.
5: Despite little sense of direction, earlier in the day on Tuesday, lean hogs ended the day higher Tuesday. December lean hogs up 55 cents to 71.72. February lean hogs up 50 cents to 74.87. Block cheese fell three cents to $1.68. Barrel cheese rose half a cent to $1.65. Dryway fell 0. 0.75 cents to 36.5 cents. October class three milk rose a penny to 1687. November class three milk down a dime to 1719, a hundredweight. We saw triple digit losses in the cotton market on Tuesday ahead of the Federal Reserve's announcement on interest rates. DTN reports that speculators are also liquidating out of the market, and that did contribute to Cotton trading lower Tuesday. December cotton down 169 points to 81.22. March cotton down 137 points to 83.51. May cotton down 126 points to 84.56. The U.S. Department of Agriculture reports that 49% of the U.S. cotton crop has been harvested so far, that is ahead of the five year average. 43% of the crop in Texas has already been harvested. After falling for six of the past seven days corn traded higher on Tuesday, December corn up a half to four hundred seventy eight and three quarters, March corn up a quarter to four hundred ninety three even, May corn up three quarters to five hundred one and three quarters. USDA's reporting that seventy one percent of the US corn crop has been harvested, that's ahead of the five year average. In Texas, ninety three percent of the crop has been harvested. We saw declines in the wheat market Tuesday on a stronger U.S. dollar and improving crop quality. USDA reports that 47% of the winter wheat crop in the U.S. is rated good to excellent. December hard red wheat down 15 and three quarters to 629 and a quarter. March hard red wheat down 15 and a quarter to 641 and a quarter. May hard red wheat down 15 and a quarter to 649 and a quarter. December natural gas rose 22 cents Tuesday to 357. January natural gas up 22 cents to 381. December crude oil fell a dollar 29 Tuesday to 81.02 a barrel, January crude oil down a dollar 17 to 80.51 a barrel. The Energy Information Administration announced on Tuesday that US field crude oil production hit a new monthly record in August, according to Reuters that record was 13.05 million barrels per day. The Dow up 86 cents to 33,015. The S&P 500 up 20 points to 4,187, and the Nasdaq up 40 to 12,830. Well, that wraps up this look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dommel. I hope to see you then.
2: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today.